for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz podcast. Uh, not always want to say as always, but... um. I forget that I take like weeks off at a time for school. So um, I'm back as your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz, joining you on a fresh microphone. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. Me and, me and Jaden um, got the same podcast microphones for Christmas. I mean, did you get yours for Christmas or you just like, I bought mine a while ago. Yeah, I don't have any money. So I uh, yeah. I did it through the Christmas route. But um, yeah, I've got a new Got a new podcast mic and then bought a webcam. So we're moving up as far as the equipment goes. But how you doing, bro? Good to see you. Uh, I'm doing all right. You know. Oh, oh should I should I break the news? I feel uh, like I'm a little sickly. Uh yeah. Um breaking news as of late today. Uh Jaden Kozak has been officially placed on the COVID-19 yeah, list. Huge blow to the Blitz team. Yes. Uh, it's going to be really tough with the live show coming up. If this is positive, I took an at-home test. And if this is the case, I will be out just in time for the live show. So if you were if you were planning, like, well, what am I going to do? Are they going to move it? Do I have to reschedule with my family now that they're going to move the podcast <laughs> off of work for the live show? You're, you're, we're going to be okay. In all likelihood, I will let everybody know if the live show gets moved. But as of right now, I'm going to be good to go. Uh, for the live show. That's good to hear, man. You're going to have to go through the same. We, uh, we need to bring us the way we've been talking about it. We need to bring a celebrity guest. We have to, we have yeah, to. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a celebrity guest that floats in there at one point. Um, yeah, we're two. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the plan. Um, but anyway, it's unfortunate that a podcast made us contracted COVID, but, Oh, that's what I was saying. You're going to have to go through the same protocols that the NFL players do. You need like two positive yeah. Yeah, tests, I was say, hopefully like 24 I can hours. Two. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Hopefully I can get off the list before game time. But, uh, there we go. Unlike uh, my two starting quarterbacks on the Washington football team. And unlike a bunch of players that we'll get to right now. Um, yes. But yeah. Yeah. This kind of sucks. But, yep. you know, this is what it is. We're going to fight it. We're going to beat it. And uh, fuck them. Yep, fuck them. That's right. Agreed. All right. So I mentioned it just now. Uh, Washington football team played tonight. Uh, it was in question whether or not we were going to have Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen for this game. Um, but we unfortunately did not end up. We were hoping that they would test negative today and they could fly out. But we got more positive tests today. And that meant that Garrett Gilbert – who spent a total of, I believe, five days of practice, four days, maybe three. I'm not sure, but he got the start tonight and he fought his heart out. But the Washington football team falls to the Philadelphia Eagles at the link 17 to 27. With the loss, the Washington football team moves to six and eight. And the Eagles 
now move into prime wildcard spot contention here. Now they're sitting behind Minnesota for the wildcard spot, but they're sitting at seven and seven, same, same record as Minnesota. So a lot to play out there. Destiny's in their own hands. Um, but with this loss, the Washington football team, not mathematically, me and Jaden were talking about this before the podcast, but not mathematically do they fall out of playoff contention, but everything would have to go right for the Washington football team going forward. Um, but with the loss, the Cowboys have officially clinched the division, which sucks. Um, they seem to dominate this division over and over and over again. Um, not last year, but you know where it is. Anyway, let's dive into the Eagles side of things. And the Eagles, man, they continue to absolutely dominate the ground game and the run game as they move closer to a wild card spot. As I mentioned, they now sit behind Minnesota for the wild card spot. And this run game, dude, it went all like we have been one of the best run defenses as of late. And tonight we were not. Miles Sanders had 18 carries, 131 yards. Uh, Jordan Howard, 15 carries, 69 yards. Jalen Hurts, eight carries, 38 yards and two touchdowns. And Jalen Hurts had a great game outside of just the rushing. He went 20 for 26, awfully efficient, 296 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Philadelphia Eagles now lead the league in rushing yards per game at 160 yards per game. And in their last three games, they are averaging 211.7 yards per game on the ground, which is absolutely insane. Um, really quickly, what do you, you got any faith in this Eagles team going forward? Not a whole bunch, just because I think that they're a little limited with Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. However, they are controlling the ground game. I think they could maybe sneak into the wild card, but they're probably going to get stomped by whoever gets the two seed. Yeah, agreed. I don't think this NFC East, NFC Beast. I was talking about it with my roommate the other day. Like the two most historic divisions in football, arguably, NFC East and NFC North. And those divisions just like the, the teams outside of like the Packers and the Cowboys just suck. I don't know. It is. It sucks. I hate it. But anyway, uh, Eagles put themselves into sort of playoff position. But I agree with you, man. Not a lot of faith there. Uh, Let's dive into the other game that we had going on on Tuesday night because of the COVID breakout across the NFL, which we will get into a little bit later. But the second game we had tonight was the Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams and the Seahawks, unfortunately, fall to the Los Angeles Rams 10 to 20 in this one. The Seahawks dropped to five and nine, which basically I'm not sure if it mathematically eliminates them, but pretty much I'm, eliminates I'm them. I'm pretty from... sure it does, because if you guys are at what if the other teams are at seven and seven, they're two games behind those teams. And I mean, I know that there's matchups involved, but I, I don't think there's any possibility they get in. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So Officially knocked Seattle out of the playoff hopes, but the Rams moved to 10 and four to tie the Cardinals in that division. Um, let's dive into some of the takeaways from this one. Um, already mentioned Seattle they officially basically fall out of playoff contention here. Russell Wilson in the game tonight, he went 17 for 31, 156 yards and an interception, which obviously is not the Russell Wilson that we're usually used to, but it's a lot like the Russell Wilson that we've seen. Um, since he came back from injury and 
I don't think this falls all on. I didn't watch any of this game, so I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what happened with this game tonight. But from looking at the box score, the main pro and from watching Seattle's games like recently, um, outside of this game, the problem is they don't have a running game. They don't have a running threat. They with Chris Carson that they, they at least had that threat and they had that running game and people were scared of it. But their running game tonight, a combined 19 carries and 80 yards. That's it. So you can't throw it all on Russell Wilson when you don't even have the threat of a running game, you know. So I guess it's officially time to start the rebuild in Seattle. So crazy stuff, man. Moving on from Pete Carroll, John Schneider possibly out of there, Russell Wilson possibly out of there. Interesting stuff coming in the offseason for Seattle after this game. Um, But as I mentioned on the other side, uh, the Rams are looking really good now. They moved to 10 and four to tie. Well, not tie, but they now have the same record as the Cardinals in that division. So Cardinals are sitting at 10 and four right now. They lost to the Lions, which we will get into a little bit later. Um, But sitting at 10 and four, they have the same record as the Rams. But the Cardinals remaining schedule is the Colts at the Cowboys and then the Seahawks and Colts. Very tough matchup. Cowboys, I mean, at Dallas makes it a little bit more difficult. I'm not really liking Dallas as of late, especially Dak Prescott, but, you know, still a tough matchup. And then you've got the Seahawks who have sucked, but, you know, can't rule them out ever. It's still a pretty tough matchup there. But um, then you got the Rams, who are sitting the same record, as I said, and their remaining schedule is at the Vikings, at the Ravens, and then the 49ers, which is not that much easier of a schedule than the Rams. So. You think? I was going to ask you that. Who do you, who do you got as the division well, favorite now? Well, Raven. What did you said? Ravens, right? Yep. Yeah, they're tough because if they have Lamar, you know, it's a little different. Even though Huntley played great, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I just think overall, I think Seattle is the worst of those six teams, and I mean, obviously the Colts are probably the best, but I think that that cause that's a lot of games that could cause problems. The Rams, so. Yeah, agreed. I mean, looking at the schedule for me personally, I think it's definitely harder for the Cardinals down the stretch. I mean, Colts and Cowboys. Colts looking like one of the best teams in football right now. Cardinals could 100% beat the Cowboys. I think the Cardinals outmatch yeah. the Cowboys fairly soon. Agreed. But they just lost to the Lions, so who knows, you know? Yeah. I mean – coming off a loss to the Lions, you can't be that confident. No. Then you got to go to Colts at the Cowboys and then the Seahawks finish the year. I got I got my money on the Rams to win this division. You got at the Vikings, which – I bet the people that took the took the uh, Rams winning the division after their three-game skid, they, those people are pretty happy right now. I know. Two facts. straight losses from the Cardinals, two straight wins from the Rams. Got to feel good. Very nice for those people. I wish we were in the playoffs, man. God. I just like um, just this playoff talk just hurts my feelings. Anyway, um, we're feeling pretty good about the Rams going forward. Um, but yeah, uh, last thing from this game, Cooper Cup, man, continues his monster season uh, tonight versus Seattle. He had nine catches on 13 targets, 136 yards and two touchdowns on the year. He has 113 catches. 1,489 yards and 12 touchdowns, which is first in every category across the board. And, I mean, he's breaking records 
left and right. I mean, he is the first player to record 90 receiving yards in 10 consecutive games in the Super Bowl era. That is insane. He tonight broke the record, Isaac Bruce, uh, Isaac Bruce's record for the Rams of most catches in a single season by a Rams wide receiver. So he broke that record tonight. Uh, he has the second most receiving touchdowns in a season um, in Rams history. He's only behind by one right now. So he's on pace to break that as well. And he's on pace to be the first receiver to lead the league in every major receiving category since 2005. I don't know if you're looking at it right now. Any guess as to who that was? I won't look at it. Uh, 2005. T.O. makes the most sense. T.O. It's not T.O. I'll give you one more guess. Okay. Well, okay. Was it Moss? The first receiver to lead in every major receiving category finish the year. It was not Moss. One final guess. God damn it. I want to look. Um... It was 05. I think it will surprise you. Oh, starts with an S. Very well done. Nice. Get it on the third try. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So he is on pace to be the first receiver to lead in every major category since Steve Smith did it in 2005. Um, Really quickly, dude, I mean, the MVP ladder was really tight for the longest time. But I feel like it's definitely narrowed down now. So would you put Cooper Cup in your top five for MVP right now? I don't know, man. He's what he's doing statistically fantastic. But I definitely think that he is a product of the offense that he's in. 100%. Mm-hmm. And you can say that about a lot of guys, i.e. Uh, Tom Brady. But, you know, He's a receiver and he's, he's just, it's just hard for me to give him that respect. Like I'm, I'm still coming around to Jonathan Taylor in the MVP conversation and he's been phenomenal as well, but I don't know. I think he, I think there are a lot of guys that you could plug into what Cooper cup does and they would put up a lot of the same results. Yeah, I agree. I was talking, um, I was talking to a couple guys the other day. I forget who I was having this conversation with, but to defend the earth right now, I don't know if I'm taking Cooper Cup in my top five wide receivers. I don't know. Because I think I agree with what as, you said. I think skill as talent. Yeah, skill no. and talent but and pure when, ability. When you when you start, like, there's a way that you have to take everything in. Because you can't lean one way. You can't lean the other way. And it's not 50-50 either. But you got to take stats and what they're doing and, you know, who they are and then their situation. And, I mean, it's much less for wide receivers, but their competition and stuff like that. You got to take all that into account. There's like some percentage I don't have. I can't think of the math directly in my head, but like there's a way that you form an opinion. And when it comes to talent alone, there's at least 10 guys at the very least. There's 10 guys that I'm taking over Cooper Cup. But statistically, obviously, he's first. And, you know, the situation he's in maybe helps him a little bit. But I, I don't know. There's I can't say he's better than Adams, Tyreek Hill. E-hop. I don't even, dude. I hate that man. As far as like, <laughs> if I'm taking, it's an interesting question to pose because it's like best receiver in the game. Like, sure, Justin he's Jefferson, really Justin Jefferson is top two. I'm or taking, three yeah, at this I'm point. taking Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs. I'm taking over Cooper. Like five wide. If you're telling me I need six wideouts to defend the Earth right now against the aliens, and they just catch, need to go out there and play catch, a football game, things. yeah. 
Yeah, if they just need to go out there and play a football game with a generic football coach, like no system, just go out there and play. I'm not taking Cooper Cup, maybe not even him. I mean, guys, uh, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs. um, Am I taking Debo Samuel? Maybe. Uh, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. AJ um, Brown. AJ Brown. Like, I'm taking these guys. Deontay Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. Yeah, agreed. Terry McLaurin, like, I think you put it the perfect way. I think Cooper Cup's, like, obviously there's a lot of talent there to be See, I think up the we, might be, we might be screwing over. Because, like, the guys that were – so the difference between Deontay Johnson and uh, Terry McLaurin that like you just mentioned, I'm not thinking of them as, like, in this, in this alien defending situation. <laughs> I think I'd rather have Cooper Cup than those guys. But, like, the fact that DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown are physical freaks – might be like okay if you put them in the situation and you change it a little bit and you cater the offense more around them maybe they do a little better than Cooper Cup but like I feel like Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin are players like Cooper Cup but just a little bit worse. Yeah, I mean, can't argue with that. Can't argue with the numbers, but yeah. I'm just saying like a pure. I totally agree with you, Seth. Like I was gonna say it, but you took the words out of my mouth. He is. Obviously, you can't deny what he's done, but he is a product of the offense that he is in. That offense is built around him. So, you know, clearly enough. Yeah. Anyway, good debate there. Uh, Let's dive into some of the league news that we had this week, and we'll run through this real quick. Um, But I mentioned it earlier, and it's more of like a worldwide thing, just uh, and not just the NFL. But this COVID thing is serious, man. This Indeed. is not playing around. Indeed. Yeah. Again, again, we're seeing it again. So, uh, obviously, if you've been following this past week, um, we had some recent games pushed this past week. So, Browns Raiders was supposed to be on Saturday. It was pushed to Monday because they had a ton of players on the COVID list. And it didn't really even matter because not a whole ton of them tested out by Monday. And then you had the same situation with Washington football team Eagles and Seahawks Rams pushed from uh, Sunday to Tuesday. So you got that. And then as of today, there is more than 140 players on the COVID-19 list. Since the start of last week, 213 players have tested positive for COVID. That is fucking crazy. That is wildfire. And when it comes to, uh, uh, particular impacts um, recently, uh, as in like the past like two days, uh, the Chiefs have had a serious COVID breakout in their locker room. You got guys like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, their kicker Harrison Bucker, and cornerback Javarius Ward, who has been one of the better cornerbacks on that newly found defense that has started to play so well again. But all those guys are on the COVID 19 list right now and might not play Sunday. And Schefter, Adam Schefter, who broke this whole news and everything, he said that you should expect more positive tests to roll out of Chiefs camp because, quote, it is a mess in Kansas City right now. So that is not good for Kansas City in general, especially sitting in the good spot right now. I don't know how to feel about that because obviously we play Kansas City this week. So that means a lot for me and a win against a backup Chiefs team would probably put us in playoff position because of the situation of the AFC right now. I'd imagine one of the playoff team or two of the playoff teams play each other. But in the league that matters to me most, I have Travis Kelsey. 
I not good. Travis Kelsey play. <laughs> well, maybe so, you can get the best of both worlds. Maybe yeah, uh, Tyreek like, Hill doesn't Mahomes play. And everybody goes goes down, and I just get Kelsey. That's well, it. Kelsey. The good news is Kelsey was one of the first people. Yeah, I was about to say. To end like, up they on were this. like he could since he's vaccinated. Technically, he still could play on Sunday, which mm-hmm. would be great. Um, and, and they just you the know protocols. they've got Patrick Mahomes in a box right now. They yeah. he is not going. He is not leaving his house. He's not leaving his yeah. room. Yeah. They've got and they adjusted the protocols recently. I forget what the specifics are, but it makes it easier for vaccinated players yeah. to come back and play. Um, so, yeah, definitely a situation to watch. And then another uh, smaller breakout that might get bigger as we go on into the week. Um, the Chargers, they have Joey Bosa and Corey Lindsley replaced on the COVID-19 list recently. So, yeah, breakouts across the league and it's just going to get worse, you know, and it sucks. It sucks this time of year. It's one of the play teams fighting for a playoff position like look look at tonight Washington like they're out now because of COVID like we didn't have a quarterback really so kind of sucks but anyway let's move on from the COVID-19 talk I'm sure you don't want to talk about COVID any more than we have to (laughs) all this COVID stuff's ripping families from their Christmas and you know yeah yeah (laughs) doesn't it God, I feel so bad for these players. Oh, How geez. did they do it? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, another big piece of news that we had this week was um, out of the Buccaneers camp, which is obviously one of the best teams in football right now, um, not evident by their Sunday night performance, but still one of the best teams in football right now. And I will start with Chris Godwin has been confirmed to tear his ACL in the game versus the Saints. Uh, It was originally said that he was going to be out for the rest of the regular season, at least, with a knee injury, and they weren't sure of the extent of it. They had optimism, but then the MRI revealed that he, in fact, did tear his ACL. So that puts him out for the rest of the year. And it's an interesting situation because Godwin is currently in his contract here. Um, He's on his franchise tag. And he will be a free agent this coming offseason. So how do you think this will affect his market in the offseason? I mean, it definitely hurts that he was probably in line to be the highest paid wide receiver behind Devontae Adams. He still could be that way because I don't know what the gap is between him and the next receiver. But he was I mean, these last couple games, he's been going. I mean, he was I think he's wide receiver six in fantasy right now. He's got like 97 catches through. 14 games he had six catches for 40 yards in the first quarter on Sunday night I think he's been uh, the sixth he, best receiver in fantasy since week 10 yeah I think I saw that. yeah um like he's been he's been fantastic so he might have been in line to get a Devonte Adams type contract if he hit the market and now I don't think that's going to happen I think teams are going to be a little cautious with him I don't know what suitors could be looking for him and honestly this could really help Tampa Bay keep him because this lowers his market. You got Totten to bring him back. I know AB's also a free agent this year and Bruce Arians talked about cutting him, but that is absolutely not happening as long as Tom Brady is still in uniform. Like he's not letting that happen, but this could make his price cheaper for Tampa Bay to retain him. Yeah, that's very true. And one thing that I thought about is like, he might not even play for the first half of next year. You know, depending on this, how his ACL recovery goes, considering it was so late in the season, like 
I don't know what the usual recovery time for an ACL is, but I'd imagine that he won't be ready for week one. So that definitely hurts his value. I think, I mean, you see situations like this happen uh, as unfortunate as it is, but you do see them happen. Um, I think he signs a one-year prove-it deal, I think. But then, you know, that's risky because yeah well i mean that was kind of what this was he took the tag stay with the super bowl team stay with tom brady prove it go get a bag next year and now you don't yeah it's unfortunate um but uh it does get better for the tampa bay side because they do have antonio brown coming back to the team um so arians announced that AB would in fact return to the team after his fake vaccination card, um, along with Mike Edwards, which is kind of sad because he's also he is a Kentucky Wildcat, former Kentucky Wildcat. Um, but Mike Edwards and Antonio Brown are returning to the teams Arians has announced. Um, but like you said, there was debate on whether or not AB would return to the team at all, uh, whether or not the Bucks would cut him. And Arians today uh, or yesterday in a press conference in response to those who might criticize AB's return because of, you know, questionable decisions and Antonio Brown faking a vaccination card. And a reporter asked, you know, what are you going to say to those people that criticize your decision to bring him back? And he said, and I quote, I could give a shit what they think. The only thing I care about is this football team and what's best for us. And, you know, it leaves you to wonder, like, if Chris Godwin didn't tear his ACL, you know, this could be completely different. Like maybe AB was Mike Evans. Mike Evans also hurt right now. So they need Antonio Brown badly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, And it only gets worse for the Buccaneers when you look at your running back situation. Now Um, Fournette, Leonard Fournette, he is likely to be headed to IR for the rest of the regular season with a hamstring injury, which isn't that big of a deal in the long run because you will get him back for the playoffs and the Bucs are basically locked to make the playoffs now. Um, but you got Ronald Jones stepping up this week, at least, and probably the rest of the regular season. And the Bucs did sign Le'Veon Bell today. And it's interesting because Just you got the Steelers, man. Yeah. I don't, you know, got I don't know whether to hate the Bucs or claim them as I, I don't like Brady. So I, I'm going to hate the Bucs. Yeah, I'm going to hate the Bucs. Final choice. Fair. You got your boys, A.B. and Le'Veon, officially reunited. It's his first time since Pittsburgh. So, yeah, got a little, got a little flashback going there. You see all that shit that Le'Veon said about uh, Jake Paul and how he was fighting people that couldn't box? I did think and... the Jake Paul clapback was good. Yeah. He was like, uh, what what was it? The Ravens. Yeah, facts. And he would, bro. Like, I, I don't know what – like. Dude, you got to throw some respect Jake Paul's way, dude. Like, that man, he – that knockout. Let's unboxing? Let's unboxing? That's what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> when it involves a football player, you know, who knows? We could we could have a boxing episode. It's a special one. Uh, <laughs> won't be today, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that does it for the league news and the Tuesday night recaps. Um, but let's dive into the Week 15 recap as a whole. And we won't be going too super in-depth on this um, because we do have to look forward to week 16 because we will not have a podcast on Thursday considering it's the day before Christmas Eve. Um, but let's dive into some of the recap and the storylines from week 15. And I will start with 
the Colts and the Patriots game, which was on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, Saturday. Um, the Colts come out on top in this one, uh, 27 to 17 against the Red Hot Patriots. Uh, the Colts now sit at eight and six, which is a very favorable record compared to what they looked like at the beginning of the season. And then you got the Patriots sitting at nine and five now. So biggest takeaways from this game, the Patriots end their seven game winning streak here. And it is solely because of this bad motherfucker, Jonathan Taylor, dude. He is a different breed versus the Patriots. 29 carries, 170 yards, and a touchdown. And a lot, uh, not even a lot of that, because he's still at 100 yards outside of the big run. But he had a 67-yard touchdown run with two minutes to go in the fourth to basically secure the win. They were up one score, but then they go up two scores with that touchdown run. Definitely looking like an MVP-type run, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, On the season, can't doubt it. 270 carries, first in the league. 1,500 yards, first in the league, 17 touchdowns, first in the league. And that is only through 14 games in the season. He is 424 yards more than the next closest guy, Joe Mixon. He has three more touchdowns than the next closest guy, which is James Conner. And he joins Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott as the only running backs to rush for more than 1,500 yards in a season since 2015. And he has not finished the season. That is insane. That's like, phenomenal so absolutely i mean you can't doubt what he's doing right now so i will ask you i know we've gotten we've gotten to the jonathan taylor mvp talk before um but this can be part of that talk but considering his age man are we looking at potentially the best running back in the national football league since adrian peterson what you get it's it's tough because derrick henry 100 percent could and should be in that conversation because he's coming off of a 2,000-yard season. And if he doesn't get hurt this year, he probably does it again. So, you know, maybe does Taylor develop into that? Potentially. I do think that being behind a top five, top six offensive line helps, which Derrick Henry has not had uh, his entire career. Plus, I don't – I mean, it's hard for me to remember, but I don't think Adrian Peterson ever had a top five line to run behind. Um, so that helps a lot. Do I think he's the best running back in the league? Not named Derrick Henry, probably just because he, he's running. Like you said, he's first in everything. He's so far ahead in yards. He's doing it in a passing era. 100% give all the props in the world to him. But Adrian Peterson was different. Yeah. Let, and let him, let him tear, let him tear his Achilles and see how many yards he has the season after. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, but I'm saying like, Obviously, I mean, Derrick Henry right now, sure, he's probably a better running back than Jonathan Taylor. But, like, considering his age, this is his sophomore season, man. Yeah. Like, Derrick Henry didn't make it out. It wasn't the primary back his sophomore season. Jonathan Taylor is putting up historic numbers in his sophomore season. So, and you look at a guy like Derrick Henry, I mean, a lot of the concern coming into the year was he's getting older. He's on the wrong side of the age bracket for running backs. On the wrong side of 26. For running backs, dude, running backs retire early. It's just weird to hear. Like, oh, he's on the wrong side of 25. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But, you know, with the usage and everything, like the big question was whether or not Derrick Henry could keep it up and obviously kept it up this season. But 
can he do it next season? You know, that's a big debate. So I'm not sure if we can, uh, obviously Derrick Henry is a better back solidified right now, but I think when it's all said and done, Jonathan Taylor might blow him away, but it's hard to argue with two, two, uh, wait, no, uh, 2000 yards. Yeah, has Derrick Henry had two 2000 yard seasons? I mean, he was on pace for this one. I'm pretty sure he's only this had year. one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty hard to get 2000 yards. So, yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, definitely an interesting debate there. Uh, let's dive into the next thing we have to cover here. And just real quickly, overall, over scoping, looking at this Colts team, how dangerous is this Colts team in general going into playoffs now? They have won five of their last six games, and they have won these games by an average of three scores, 17.6 points per game. So how dangerous do you think this Colts team can be come playoff time? Oh, I think they can. I think they could honestly make a AFC championship push like this. This is a good team. I know Wentz scares a lot of people off of that, but if you can just hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor all night, that's all you really need to do. The defense is solid. Um, they're well coached. I, I think they could definitely make an AFC championship push. They are a little matchup dependent because if they get in a game in which they're kind of in a shootout and they need to throw the ball a bunch. They might find themselves in trouble, but John, a Jonathan Taylor run is just as good as any pass play. So, yeah. And once you get up just a score, like just a field goal, like you just run the ball with Jonathan Taylor for the rest of the game, control time, possession, it's over. So, I mean, this Colts. And also, one thing that I want to mention, like you look at, I mean, a good comparison for this is Titans Colts, right? You look at the Titans without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, it falls on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders. And we've seen how bad that has turned out. Um, I was a big advocate for Ryan. T- I wouldn't say big advocate, but I was an advocate for Ryan Tannehill. Being I was an anti. Good. Yeah. Was not. Yeah. And he has proved me wrong. He has sucked ever since Derrick Henry left. But if you take Jonathan Taylor out of the Colts, I have a lot more faith in Carson Wentz than I do t- Jonathan t- or Ryan Tannehill. Like, I mean, Carson Wentz, former MVP, quarterback. Like, I mean. Tannehill has better weapons. Wentz has the better line. Uh, Wentz has more talent. It's it's really tough. Yeah, I think Wentz does have more talent, but we haven't seen any of that talent pretty much all season. Like, with Taylor there, you would think, okay, you have a compliment. You have something to lean on. And he doesn't show it ever. He never plays like, okay, this is a good Carson Wentz game. Like you would think he's not true. He's had his good games this uh, this year. He's like like, the Baltimore game was like fine, but it wasn't like overwhelming. It wasn't. No, he hasn't had any overwhelming games so far this year, but he's had multiple passing touchdowns in a lot of games. Like doesn't throw a whole ton of picks. He has those idiot picks. Yeah, he he is the key is, I mean, of like non terrible, terrible quarterbacks. He is the king of idiot picks. Like outside of like your Drew Locks and shit, like he is the king of dumbass throws. Oh well, I would argue though Lamar Jackson is the no. rightful king to dumb throws. Okay, he makes dumb throws, but they usually don't end up in picks because he's Lamar. But like, I mean, for fuck's sake, he Carson Wentz had five completions on Thursday night, five completions for fifty yards. Yeah. One of but look was, at his other games. Look at his other games previous in the year. 158 the week before, 158 yards. He had three, 306 the week before that, 106, 180, 
272, 231, 150, 223, 402 was the Baltimore game. He's only gone over 300 yards twice, 402 and 306. How many passing touchdowns, though? Total, he has 23. On pace for 30 touchdowns. That's a solid – I mean, almost on pace for 30 touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, that's but that's the epitome of a good quarterback. And he doesn't throw yes. a ton of interceptions. He's only thrown six, which shocked yeah. me. Yeah. Like, and you got Lamar shocking. Jackson, who apparently is not the king of idiot picks, but leads the league in interceptions right now. So Carson Wentz picks just look stupider. I watched him throw into triple coverage last night – or not last night, but Thursday night – from a clean pocket yeah i mean he's trying to i mean the argument for carson wentz has been forever he's trying to make too much happen and he's gotten a lot better at not doing that and a lot of that is because of jonathan taylor but you know that has always been the criticism on carson wentz all right let's move on to the next game that we have to cover and it's not a headliner game or anything but i did want to talk about some of the storylines that came out of this one um the cowboys beat the giants 21 to 6 uh, the Cowboys moved to 10 to four Giants moved to four and 10. Uh, let's dive into the takeaways for this one. So Dak Prescott, after starting the year in the MVP conversation firmly, I mean, I had him in my top three at some point, um, but he has just sucked as of recently. He has less than 220 yards passing in three of his last five games. He has only one game with multiple passing touchdowns in his last five and he has a combined five interceptions in his last five games. And two of those games, he had multiple interceptions. So, and if you just watch it, like he's like, uh, he doesn't look confident when he goes out there. Like he just like, he looks a little lost recently. I don't know. And he takes like one thing about Dak Prescott that I've noticed like recently, he takes a lot of time to throw that ball. Like somebody will be open and then he'll take like, he'll jump up and down. You know how he does that. You know, I mean, you've seen his warm up routines, like he'll jump up and down and they get sacked. Like he'll jump up and down when CD's running wide open in the middle of the field and he'll get, all right, I'm about to throw it. I'm about to throw it. Oh shit. I'm sacked. So that has been happening a lot lately. So do you see another early playoff exit imminent for the Dallas Cowboys? Little side note for you. They have not made an NFC championship game since 1995. I think if they catch that four seed in which they have to face the non card or the, the opposite of Cardinals Rams, whoever doesn't win that division. Absolutely. I think they would get beaten badly by one of those teams because with, with Dak Prescott playing poorly, they don't have the offense because Zeke doesn't run the ball that well anymore. Tony Pollard's fine, but he's hurt. And I like Tony Pollard's okay. But I don't want him carrying my offense if Dak can't get it going. Like, you're, you're building this offense to pass. And when Dak is struggling to make his reads, which, God bless you, you only – I mean, you've only got Zach Martin there. And I don't – I feel like Tyron Smith's hurt for some reason. But you've only got one of the better offensive lines in football and you still don't have time to make your reads. How, like, what, what's the issue here? And it's just that he's not – that great and like i know that people vouch for him i know that people think he's good but like when you all had him in your top three or whatever i was like i mean look at the situation and like look at i mean he's playing well but if one or two pieces fall out of this he's gonna be shit and that's exactly what's happened and he's just on a downward slide and the cowboys beginning to look like idiots 
for giving him all that money. Like, really, really bad. Because that's 20% of your cap. Like, that's a lot of money. And you've got a lot of holes to fill still. I know that Michael Parsons has been absolutely fantastic. Javon Diggs has played well. But you've still got a lot of things to figure out between the defense. You know, you might have to find a, you know, you might have to find other pieces on the line. Those guys are getting old. So it's it could be a mess in Dallas pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. Coming into the year and for most of the beginning part of the year, um, we expected this defense to be bad. And at the beginning of the year, they were bad. But this offense was supposed to be a dynamo. And at the beginning of the season, it was. They were just outscoring teams. But now if you can't do that, and the defense has picked up the slack. I mean, but the problem is, we talk about it all the time. They're turnover dependent, and that will not sustain. I mean, unless something crazy happens and they are able to continue this, what, three, four turnovers a game kind of pace, like that's not going to continue, especially in playoffs. So this is a serious problem in Dallas right now. But all right. So let's move on from the struggling Dallas Cowboys and let's move on to the even more struggling, severely uh, New York Giants. And we're not going to talk about the New York Giants as a whole because they suck, but they do have an interesting decision coming up this offseason because Daniel Jones, you have to decide whether or not you're going to give the fifth year option to Danny Dimes in this offseason or potentially let him play his last season next year. And then let him walk. Um, This comes after Daniel Jones uh, officially today has been ruled out for the rest of the season with a neck injury. So they are shutting him down for the rest of the season. So you look at Daniel Jones and you look at his track record and what he has done for New York so far. And it is awfully similar to a guy who was in a very similar situation not too long ago in Chicago. And that is Mitchell Trubisky. The Chicago Bears faced the same kind of decision uh, when they were in this this situation with Mitchell Trubisky. And they decided after his first three seasons to not extend the fifth-year option, let him play one more year, and then let him go in free agency. So Jones's first three seasons in New York, 8,398 yards. Trubisky's first three seasons in Chicago, 8,554 yards. So Advantage Trubisky. Uh, Touchdowns, 48 touchdowns for Trubisky, 45 for Daniel Jones. So advantage Trubisky again. Uh, 29 interceptions for them both. So even across there. Um, Trubisky, 63% completion percentage. Danny Dimes, 62. So slight advantage to Trubisky. Um, He also has a point over him in QBR, 85 compared to 84. And he also has like a decimal point uh, more yards per attempt. But I mean, you look at it, Trubisky seems to have the advantage over the first three seasons of their both of their respective careers, and the Bears elected to move on from Trubisky after seeing those first three years. So, do you see the Giants moving on from Danny Dimes? So, two things. First of all, I want to, I wish you had how many fumbles Daniel Jones had compared to how many fumbles Trubisky had because I feel like Jones would have a significant amount more. And interestingly enough, the – pick that the bears used to move on from Trubisky came from the giants who they will now likely use to move on from Daniel Jones this off season. 
So just like the trade that they got, they got back a first round pick that we used this year. I think it's got to be yes. I know that this is a weak quarterback class, but the Bears suck. So it's pro- you're probably going to get your pick of the quarterbacks. Like you're going to be able to pick who you want. Uh, I don't think any of the top three teams between the uh, Jags, obviously no, Texans, probably not, and the Lions are going to go quarterback. Neither are the Jets, obviously. So the Giants could very well find themselves at five looking for a quarterback, and they get their pick. And I, you get Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, whoever, or Daniel Jones. You know what Daniel Jones is as a pro. The other question is, what can you get for Daniel Jones? Like, what is his trade value at this point? Like, Nothing. how much higher is how much higher is it than Darnold? Like, it, is it is it a third? Is it a fourth? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I think I'd trade a third or fourth for him. Give him a shot. Yeah, sure. I mean, no, probably. why not? He's yeah, maybe maybe young. Maybe has potential. I mean, yeah. obviously he's young, but maybe has potential. It's just but, like. I was talking to a Giants fan before this year because I go to school with a Giants fan. And um, I was like, dude, this is like show up or show out for Daniel Jones this year, like before the season started. Because like you got you signed a big name wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. And on top of an already pretty solid receiving core, you got Sterling Shepard. Then you spend first round pick on Kadarius Toney. You've got first round draft of the year of the century. (laughs) generation (laughs) don't remind me doc uh then you got saquon barkley like who's great pass catcher and obviously one of the most talented running backs in the league like what's what's the problem bro if you can't get it done with that then i mean it's time to move on and i think the decision is pretty clear now that you move on from daniel jones so he will play next year because he his contract isn't up after this year they just have to decide whether or not they're going to give him the fifth year option um, I think he'll play it out next year and then he'll be up for a contract. So definitely interesting for the future of the New York Giants. All right, let's move on to our last uh, big time game that we had this past week that I wanted to talk about a couple storylines from there. And that was the game that I actually attended in person. Uh, and it was the Packers at the Ravens in MNC Bank Stadium. Uh, the Packers come out on top 31 to 30. Uh, the Packers now sit at the best record in football, 11 and 3. And the Ravens now drop to 8 and 6. So, takeaways from this one Aaron Rodgers has officially tied the big time record in Packers history. So, versus Baltimore, he went 23 for 31, 268 yards, and three touchdowns and with those three touchdowns he has officially tied Brett Favre for the most passing touchdowns in Packers history with 442 passing touchdowns so and I saw something on Twitter this past weekend from out of all people Torrey Smith and I was like that is bizarre I cannot believe that kind of stat and it was so you show Brett Favre right he had 442 touchdowns in Packers history and he had 288 interceptions during that time. Aaron Rodgers with the Packers has 442 touchdowns, the same amount of touchdowns, obviously, like I said, and only 93 interceptions. That is almost 200 less interceptions in his Packers career 
than Brett Favre. Um, that is but over over three times the amount of picks for Favre. Exactly. That is the epitome of a gunslinger. So I want to do a little side by side comparison of their careers in Green Bay, and then we can discuss a little bit. So Brett Favre, he played 16 full seasons in Green Bay. He had 61,655 yards. He had one Super Bowl win, and he had three MVPs. He is the first player and the only player in NFL history to win three consecutive MVP awards. Um, Then you look at Rodgers. He's had 14 full seasons in Green Bay. He spent like three uh, behind Brett Favre. Um, He has 54,732 yards in his Packers career, and he has the same stats, one Super Bowl and three-time MVP. But – Rodgers has the potential to win another MVP this year. Uh, honestly, might be the clear candidate for the I mean, number Brady one. They are 50, 50, have the same odds as of right now. Yeah. So Rodgers looking potentially like another MVP year. And he also has two seasons less than Brett Favre in his Green Bay career. So I'll ask you real quick, man, just a little fun trivia question for you, I guess. Uh, would, who would you rather have in their prime? Brett Favre, the gunslinger, throws a lot of picks, but throws a lot of passing yards, a lot of passing touchdowns, obviously. Or Aaron Rodgers, who's the conservative type, but still obviously a baller. <laughs> I mean, conservative compared to 288 say, interceptions. Jesus Christ, I, uh, it's Aaron Rodgers 100%. I've come on here multiple times and said how Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback to ever play this game. Brett Favre was great, but Aaron Rodgers is better. I mean, you can see, like, he's got the same amount of passing touchdowns, but a third of the picks. And, like, the throw – like, I didn't, I know you couldn't see it on, like – maybe – I don't know, maybe you could on the, uh, the like, tell – Jumbotron? Jumbotron. <laughs> um, but, like, some of the throws that Aaron Rodgers made on Sunday – no one in their right mind even fucking throws, and he puts it right right where it needs to be. He is ridiculous. He's better than every quarterback that's ever played. And like the things that he does while keeping those low interception numbers are ridiculous. Agreed. I think Aaron Rodgers is – I mean, a little biased here because, I mean, we only saw Brett Favre towards the end of his career in Minnesota and New York, and obviously he sucked. I mean, he wasn't that bad in Minnesota. But, um, yeah, I'm taking Rodgers all day. Like, he's got the swag, and he doesn't make, like, I was talking to my dad about it the other day, who has, like, a, obviously a better perspective on it because he actually saw Brett Favre play. And he was like, people don't realize when they talk about Brett Favre how risky he was. Like, he is called Gunslinger, and that's, like, a unanimous nickname across NFL platforms everywhere for Brett Favre. He gets that nickname for a reason, and it's because – he does things like throw 288 interceptions in 16 seasons. So, yeah, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers all day. And it's because of the things you said. Like, he makes throws that nobody else can. Like, that throw to MVS, like, where he needed it. And it was between, like, three guys right on the money, nails it. And one thing that I watched, like, I hadn't watched Aaron Rodgers play in person since, like, I was super little. Like, I went to a game at Lambeau when I was, like, little. Obviously, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, But – when I watch him in person, like he he plays the game in such like an interesting and awesome way because you can see guys like a dude can be open like a little bit downfield, 
And like, you have the potential, like a lot of quarterbacks would make that throw. Like I watched multiple times where there was guys open downfield, not like wide open or anything, but a lot of quarterbacks in this league would take that opportunity and throw that ball deep. But Aaron Rodgers, no second thought. Like if it's not a hundred percent, he's throwing the check down and it's getting like six, five yards. And that's what makes Aaron Rodgers so great, you know, and that's why I say conservative, not conservative, maybe just smarter. You know, <laughs> he's just so. So like, I mean, last year he had what, five picks on 48 touchdowns, something crazy like that. Like he's just, he throws it better. He's smarter. He sees the field better. He's just better than everybody. Hands down. I agree. Aaron Rodgers for the win. All right. Let's move on to some of the other takeaways from this game. Let's dive into the Ravens side of things here. And I will start with Tyler Huntsley coming in in Lamar's absence and absolutely balls out. Uh, Lamar was ruled out with an ankle injury before game time. Uh, basically was a game time decision. I think it was ruled out around like one o'clock, two o'clock. Um, I was following him pretty closely because I really wanted Lamar to play because um, I it was going to be a better game and I'm going to the game, but ended up being a great game anyway. Um, but Tyler Huntley gets the call and he subs in and he does absolutely great. Uh, 28 for 40, 215 yards passing and two passing touchdowns. And then on the ground, very similar to what Lamar does, 13 carries, 73 yards and two touchdowns. So four combined touchdowns on the day for Huntley. So I want to ask you real quick. So Lamar Jackson, I mean, there's optimism for him to play against Cincinnati, you know, because it came down to basically a game time decision against Green Bay. Uh, I think a lot of that was due to them kind of playing, playing cat and mouse with the media, you know, like they don't really want to reveal anything like because I've heard a lot this year about the backup theory, like the backup quarterback theory. Like if you face a backup quarterback and you're not ready, you don't game plan for that backup quarterback. He's going to go off in that first game. But then after every game after that, once you have some film on the guy, then you can prepare and have a full game plan for him. And then he simmers down. So I think we might be seeing a lot of that with Huntley in this game. I think he might be neutralized the next game he plays. But what kind of confidence level do you have in Huntley if Lamar can't play? Well, first of all, that wasn't Huntley's first game because he played in Cleveland. So mm -hmm. you have the film on him. And well, Green Bay, what, Green Bay didn't know whether or not they were going to yeah, prepare for Lamar. Especially, especially after he goes down, you're definitely thinking about, okay, if Huntley plays. But the thing is, they both give you a lot of the same things. I think physically, they're pretty much the same player. Mentally, they're a lot different because – Huntley plays a lot more of that quick game. I don't know if that's what Roman implemented, but he plays a lot more of the quick game. He's honestly might be a better passer to be totally honest. Huntley, he's a free agent this off season. That game against green Bay and on basically national television might've earned him a big contract because yeah. he played really well, especially if he doesn't play for the rest of the year. And like, that's the last thing that people remember. You might get a big contract or some team's going to get him for a bargain because they didn't know he's really good. Like he can move. Obviously he throws the ball with accuracy short. He doesn't throw the ball extremely well deep, but he throws it with accuracy short. He takes the check down. He's a fairly good decision maker. You know, I, he has a lot and, and he could, he could work out for some team that wants to implement a scheme that can help him out. Yeah. 
Um, like I said, I don't have a lot of like merits. I, I don't place a lot in what he did against Green Bay. Obviously, it was fantastic. You know, leading them back, uh, comeback, everything. That was awesome. And the game he played was awesome. But like I said, the backup quarterback theory, he I'm played, a big believer in that. He played and, against Cleveland, though, too. That's two straight yeah. weeks. Yeah, it's very true. Like I said, That's a lot of what Lamar's giving you, you're game planning very similarly for Tyler Huntley and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, I will, like, I mean, you do have a point, like, if, and especially in a league that is starting to transition some more guys like Lamar Jackson, you know, Tyler Huntley might be a hot commodity this offseason because teams are looking at the Ravens and like, damn, if they could do that with Lamar, then maybe I can do that with Tyler Huntley, you know, especially those middle of the road or bottom franchises, mm-hmm. like, might as well give it a shot. So I think you have a great point. I didn't want to look into the contract stuff. I was about to, but I didn't want to overreaction theater. But yeah, man, I think you got a great point. All right, let's dive into the decision. The decision heard around the world. Um, and Jar, uh, John Har- John Harbaugh. I don't know what I was trying to say there, but um, John Harbaugh going for two on the last possession of the game. There's been a lot of debate over this point. Um, they were down one on the final Ravens possession after Huntley ran it in for the touchdown. Um, play was drawn up for Mark Andrews. It was obvious it was going to Mark Andrews all the way. And the Packers saw that and they converged on Mark Andrews. Um, pass was deflected, game over. So that is the second time in three weeks that a two-point conversion has failed for the Ravens. Um, do you agree with the Harbaugh Staley mindset of going forward on going for two going forward on fourth. Like we're seeing that a lot more this year. Um, and that never used to be the case. So do you agree with that kind of mindset? Do you like where the game's transitioning or not? Well, so the Harbaugh thing, I know that everybody's going to shit on him because he did it two out of three weeks. Um, the, the Steelers game, I understand, because you don't have Marlon. You don't have any DBs to go to to play. So I totally understand, like, going for it, trying to get the game over with. This one's a little bit different, though. I, I don't know what to think. I was joking around with my friend. I was like, well, you're either going to get it, and he's going to go down the field because he's got 40 seconds and three timeouts, and he's going to go down, and he's going to get a field goal. You don't get it, and the game's over, or you kick the extra point, and he's going to go down, and he's going to get a field goal. So all three of those results, you lose. <laughs> Um, but I, I totally understand trying to win the game because you don't want to give Aaron Rodgers the ball back and yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to leave it up to a coin flip because if Aaron Rodgers gets the ball in overtime, the game is over. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally understand. I think the odds of getting a two point conversion are much higher than you stopping Aaron Rodgers. So it just didn't happen. The, the whole thing with two point conversion plays is, you know, it's, it's a set play. It's one that they've worked on for a while and it's one read there's one guy hollywood was screaming open in the back of the end zone and nobody saw mm-hmm. him because it was drawn up right into mark andrews who was being double covered yeah yeah i mean i can't criticize it like i i love this kind of mindset i think it's exciting for football going for two like i mean it, of course like in hindsight it looks like a bad decision but that's hard to say like I will play the devil advocate a little bit. The argument that I've been hearing is like they did stop Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter for the most part. And he had fallen out of his groove that he was in for most of the game. So 
maybe you take advantage of that. Just go for one and hope put it in your defense's hands who had been stopping him previously. But this isn't the same defense that was coming into the year for the Ravens. Uh, obviously, you're down a lot of guys, and it's Aaron fucking Rodgers. So, you know, anything can happen, especially in the clutch. So I'm not I'm not on Harbaugh, and I loved Mark Andrews. Like, he was the, the whole, like, I the Harbaugh, like, met with the players, and he was like, what do you guys want to do here? Like, I love that, man. That's a player's coach. He was like, what do you guys want to do here? You want to go for two? You want to go for one? Like, I, I – and they were like, let's do it, coach. Like, let's end it right here. Let's go for the win. And they went for it didn't go their way. And then Mark Andrews um, goes up to him and he was like, that was, that was a great call. Like I, he was eh, like literally in the, and he was like, thanks man. Like John Harbaugh, like that made me sad. And then in the press, uh, post-game presser, Mark Andrews was like, anybody that thinks that was the wrong call is tripping. Like, I love that. That's, that's the kind of stuff you look for in your players, you know? And that's why these, these Ravens teams have been so good, you know, like Harbaugh has this relationship with his players. So yeah, definitely cool to see. All right. Well, that's good talk on the Ravens there. But with that loss, man, they drop the division lead and they drop a playoff spot, which is absolutely insane. They fall to second in the AFC North behind the Cincinnati Bengals now. That puts them in the hunt uh, outside looking in right now. Um, they have lost three games in a row. And they have lost each of those games by two points or less. That is absolutely brutal. Um, so really quickly, one to ten. What's your panic meter on the Ravens right now? I mean, how high? Like, obviously it's high because look at their freaking roster right now and look at the guys that they're missing. So, I mean, is it even a panic meter anymore? Like, we know that this team is depleted. We know that they're struggling. So I guess it's like an eight just because – but it's not really like it shouldn't be this high because we know that this is happening. Like the, yeah. we should, we should, our, our expectations aren't that high for them at this yeah. point. So it's not even like we're panicking. Like we know what's coming. Yeah. Um, I think only reason the panic meter would be an absolute 10 is if Lamar was out for any extended period with the angle injury, but with Lamar, excuse me, excuse me, uh, with Lamar Jackson on the offense, I mean, Obviously, anything can happen, but I agree with you. Eight on the panic meter because that defense, uh, if you face anybody beside – because the only reason they were able to shut down Devontae Adams on Sunday is because they double-covered him all game. And once you face a team like Cincinnati, who has three really good wide receivers, you will not be able to do that. And against most teams, you will not be able to do that because they have more weapons outside of just Devontae Adams. So – yeah, I'm going to put the panic meter in eight, maybe even at a nine, because that defense is panicked. Uh, a couple other panic meters that I want to do real quick. Um, I mentioned it earlier, Cardinals end up dropping the L against the Lions, dude. The Lions end up on top 30 to 12. Uh, the Cardinals moved to 10 and four with the loss. Uh, the Lions moved to two and 11 and one. Um, what's your panic meter on the Cardinals after this? Uh, D hop is out for the remainder of the regular season. So keep that in mind when you give you a little, little number. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's gotta be concerning, but th- at the same time, the Cardinals are kind of known for dropping these types of games and Deandre Hopkins being out basically means nothing because he was more or less a decoy for the majority of the season. Um, 
And Christian well, Kirk you saw great in his absence. Yeah. The only thing that I will say is like they were, and I mentioned it in the blitz text thing, like they were setting up the packages, the same kind of routes for D hop. They were setting those routes up for AJ green, like 50, 50 balls. When Kyler really needed a catch, he was throwing it to AJ green and AJ green's not that dude anymore. So like, I don't know. And then you drop, I mean, you have the potential to drop out of the division. So that's kind of panic meter high, you know, and then you don't have that with D hop out the rest of the regular season, you're not getting that chemistry. So you just plop him in the playoffs and then he is a decoy, like you said. So anyway, what you putting your number at? Probably like a seven, honestly, like as far as my expectations for this team, like, and how shocked I am by this, I mean, obviously, I didn't expect them to lose the Lions, but I'm not overly shocked by what's happening. I think they might struggle a little bit down the stretch, but like that, like I said, that's not overly surprising to me. Okay, seven. That's still you're kind of contradicting I mean, yourself. Like seven, still that's, pretty high. I know that's pretty high, but like, I mean, what is the bare minimum after you lose to the Lions? Yeah, like six is the bare minimum. So, yeah, that's very true. I will give it a considering that you're not going to have that chemistry with D hop um, considering he's out for the rest of the regular season. I'm going to put the panic meter at, I don't know. I'll, I'll do seven too. Seven sounds like a round number. I like it. All right. I know I'm a copier, bro. I'm a copier. Cool, See you on your podcast, Mike, all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last team I want to do a panic meter on is the Buccaneers, who were shut out on Sunday Night Football. What a stinker, man. The Saints end up winning in this one 9-0. to What a terrible game. Uh, the Saints now sit at 7-7, seven and seven, and the Bucs now sit at 10-4. Uh, Brady was shut out in this game for the first time since 2006. And to put it into context for you, that came against the Dolphins. And the head coach at that time, do you know? The Dolphins in 06. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I know. that's hard. It wasn't Saban, was it? Dude, you're on it. You're oh, on it. It is on. like Saban. Oh, come wow. on. Stop it. <laughs> Good shit, man. Anyway, the last time uh, Brady was shut out, Nick Saban was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. So I'll tell you how long ago that was. Um, interesting little tidbit here. The Saints own Tom Brady in the regular season ever since he arrived at Tampa Bay. They have taken four out of four games against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in the regular season since he arrived in Tampa. So panic meter on the Bucks. You got Chris Godwin out for the rest of the season. So what you thinking? Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. It's like a nine because Levante David is also out for the regular season. I don't know if you saw that, but he's out. I meant to mention it earlier, but man, like regular season or rest of season. Regular season, which I know, like, they will get him back from the playoffs for shit anyway. But that's four. If if Evans is hurt for a little bit, Godwin's obviously done, done. Fournette's done for the regular season. Levante David, that's four of your best six or seven players out. Mm-hmm. Like, name many. Mm-hmm. Think about the Ravens. I mean, when that, when that happened to them, everybody was like, oh, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs. But, like. This is bad, especially for like what we expect them to be, which is a Super Bowl winning team. Like that is pretty much the expectation. When you lose those guys for that significant amount of time, that is a serious problem. So my panic meter is fairly high. 
Yeah. I wouldn't put it as high because it is, I mean, they're pretty much locked into a playoff spot now. Uh, the only reason that they would not be clinching the division is if they lose out, which would be very difficult to do. You've got two games against the Panthers um, and the saints would also have to win out for them to lose the division. But I mean, it's definitely concerning. I'm going to put my meter at a six because, you know, Tom Brady in the playoffs is a different animal. Um, I think there's definitely concern. Uh, you mentioned guys like Levante David being out for the rest of the year and big time players being out for the rest of the year. And then you're just going to throw those guys in, in the first round matchup. Like that's like one week of practice. That's, that's difficult. So, but it is Tom Brady. It is the bucks. Uh, I'm going to put my panic meter at a six because despite Godwin being out for the rest of the season, Antonio Brown's going to do the exact same thing. Again, so. the pan- like the panic meter that I'm going off of is relative to expectation. Like, as far as my panic, the fact that, like, if I bet on the Bucks to win the Super Bowl, my panic meter is at a nine because, you know, that's that's not good. Yeah. All these guys missing, especially Fournette, who has not carried their offense, but been an added element that they didn't have last year. Like, they have a dominant running game with Fournette there, and he's not going to be there to the playoffs. It's a problem. Yeah. But we know how good playoff Lenny is, man. So he does have the nickname, though. But anyway, good stuff there. All right. Well, with that, let's look ahead to week 16. And we'll run through this pretty quickly because we are pretty deep in on time right now. Uh, But obviously, we're going to look at the playoff picture because it is that time of year. Um, The AFC playoff picture currently, you've got the Chiefs sitting at the number one seed. They've got the first round by a 10 and four. Um, Then you've got the Patriots sitting at the number two seed. And they would be facing the Buffalo Bills, how it stands right now, who would be the seventh seed. Then you've got the Titans facing off in the three seed against the Chargers, who would be the sixth seed. Uh, and then final game, you got the four seed Bengals against the five seed Colts. And teams still currently in the hunt. You got the Ravens, the Steelers, the Raiders, Dolphins, the Browns, who would they have a tough road ahead of them, but they still have a shot at it. And the Broncos. Um, what's at stake this week as far as playoff scenarios go and clinching those? Uh, the Chiefs have an opportunity to clinch the AFC West officially with a win and a Chargers loss, but the Chargers play the Texans, so that would be pretty difficult. Um, then you've got the Patriots. They clinch the AFC East with a win and the Dolphins loss, which is very pretty interesting considering how close Buffalo is and, you know, they're in the playoff picture right now. Uh, And then you got the Titans who would clinch the AFC South with a win and a Colts loss. So given all this information, who you got as your sneakiest team in the AFC field right now and possibly in the hunt. Give me the chargers as my scariest team. I think they can get hot and potentially go win a Super Bowl because Justin Herbert is that good. Derwin James, when he's healthy, is, in my opinion, the best safety in football. And in a world in which Jalen Ramsey does this, he's probably the best defensive back in football. He is, you know, one of the best players in football, just in general. I, I keep harping on Derwin James, but he is ridiculously good. He can change your defense. I think the Travis Kelsey stat was one catch for 14 yards when Derwin James was on the field and nine catches for 170 yards and two touchdowns when Derwin James wasn't on the field. That is nuts. Herbert's good. Eckler's good. They've got the receivers. Their offensive line is playing well enough. 
weirdly enough, I remember they made this connection, and this is kind of off topic. I remember they made this connection at the draft last year, and they were like, the Bucks were six and ten the year before. They picked at thirteen. They then picked a tackle at thirteen after getting a new. Co- and it was like all these crazy coincidences. Tristan Wirfs was, I believe, a second-team All-Pro player in his rookie season, and Rashawn Slater looks like he might also be a second-team All-Pro player in his first season. Yeah, I Very mean, weird. aligning Very with weird. the former Super Bowl champs. No, dude, I'm gonna yeah, totally agree yeah. with you, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to be a copier because, in case you you guys aren't gonna hear it, but we had we had a little debate, we had a little miscommunication earlier. And um, Jaden listed the Steelers as a team because he thought we were doing the in-the-hunt teams. And then I said the Chargers, and he was like, oh, well, damn, I'm picking the Chargers. So we redid it. But my team is the Chargers. I'm sticking with the Chargers, and I'm following your lead. I mean, I mean, what else is there to say besides what you said? I mean, this is potentially the most electric offense in football. You've got the lines there. You've got Austin Eckler, and you've got – Decent backup running backs who could change the pace. You've got Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson, and then you've got one of the best wide receiver cores in football. You've got one of the most talented quarterbacks in football. And that defense has played pretty bad this year. But like you said, you got guys like Derwin James, Joey Bosa when he comes off the COVID-19 list. Like this defense has the potential to be really good. So, yeah, give me the Chargers as the scariest team in the field right now, the sneakiest team in the field, especially sitting at the sixth seed. So, yeah, give me the Chargers all the way. All right. Now let's look into the NFC side of things. And the NFC playoff picture, how it stands right now, after week 16 or week 15, my apologies, uh, you got the Packers sitting at the number one seed in the NFC right now. They got the first round by at 11 and three. Then you've got the Packers at the two seed, or wait, Cowboys at the two seed. Then you've got the Bucks at the three seed, the Cardinals at the four seed, the Rams at the five seed, the 49ers at the six seed, and then the Vikings at the seven seed. What what was that little uh... I was wondering, I was wondering how the Cowboys didn't or the Bucks didn't have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys, but I saw something the other day, like if all the teams at the same record don't play each other, then a tiebreaker doesn't count. Something like I think that. it this uh, these sat, I mean, either way, the Bucks, yeah, either way, those teams are in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I did this right before uh, – I did this based off of uh, before tonight's game. So the pack, the Cowboys may very well be three and the Bucks be two, but uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, they're both in the playoffs. But those are the teams in the playoffs currently. And in the hunt, you've got the Saints sitting at seven and seven, who Vikings are sitting at seven, seven and two. So very close for that last wild card spot. And then you've got the Eagles sitting at seven and seven as well. And the 49ers aren't that – far above them either sitting at eight and six so what's at stake this week not much in the nfc playoff picture uh like i said the cowboys have officially clinched the division title so they are the first one to clinch a playoff spot in the nfc surprisingly enough uh but the bucks would clinch the nfc south with a win this week versus the panthers so given this team given this field you guys your sneakiest team uh so Mine is 100% the San Francisco 49ers. I love this team. I love what they're doing. I'm telling you, man, this is a team that two years ago, and there's a little bit of difference, and they're a little bit worse, but they went to the Super Bowl with the same makeup, more or less, just two years ago. George Kittle is playing his best ball. He's playing like the guy that he was supposed to be coming into last year. Uh, 
what they're doing with Debo Samuel has been great. Elijah Mitchell is slated to come back. The defense is playing well. Nick Bosa is having a sneaky good season. And if he doesn't win comeback player of the year over Dak Prescott, it shows that the media is just quarterback. Not everything has to be a quarterback. Nick Bosa has 15 sacks right now. That's only two off of TJ Watt. And he's coming off of a torn ACL. Like, and that's not being talked about at all. So, yeah, give me the 49ers 100%. And I'd argue that they're the best coach team in this field. Hmm. Good stuff, man. I mean, we've, me and you have been huge advocates for Kyle Shanahan uh, all year. I love him. So I definitely like your 49ers pick. Um, I would have gone them if you hadn't. Uh, but all looking right. at the field, <laughs> looking at the field in front of me, I don't want to copy you once again. So, you know, I'm going to go. I know the lack of offensive firepower is a problem, but I'm going to go the Saints because of the ability of their coaching to game plan against any offense. I mean, their defense is elite. They shut out Tom Brady. That is awesome. And this defense has done this all year. And Taysom needs to play a little better, granted. And they don't have the offensive weapons. But if you got a healthy Kamara and you can just feed him and you can dominate the run game and Kamara is your primary receiver and that defense plays like it did on Sunday night, I think this team can make a run in the playoffs, you know? Like, their offense won't be able to go toe-to-toe with the top offenses in the league, but if they somehow pop up uh, pop up to a 7-0 lead and that defense can sustain and then they just run the ball the rest of the game with Kamara and Ingram combination and tandem, I think that's the recipe for success. So, yeah, I'm going to go the Saints as my sneakiest team in the field. All right. Let's finish up our podcast here with some headliner games, and then we will give you a fantasy start of the week. Uh, we did, we have been doing starts and sits for every position, but um, we're just going to do fantasy starts of the week because of all the content that we had on today's podcast. Um, but headliner games this week, we're not going to dive too deep into them. We're just going to give you spreads and money lines and our game picks and short explanation. So let's do it. First game we got on the slate is the Indianapolis Colts sitting at eight and six at the Arizona Cardinals. who are sitting at 10 and four. This game is happening at 815 on Christmas. So that'll be fun. Definitely a good game to have on Christmas. Uh, really quickly, you like NBA basketball on Christmas better or football on Christmas? Uh, well, t- this year it is 100% going to be football because NBA basketball is more or less, you know, uh, NBL basketball. It, it could be any other league that is played in Spain because of the players that are going to be playing on Christmas. So yeah. give me football this year. Okay. I fuck with it. All right. So the spread for this game is Arizona minus one. Uh, the money lines, it's basically a coin flip. It is a coin flip. It's Indianapolis minus 110, Arizona minus 110 as well. So who you got for this game, bro? Give me the Indianapolis Colts. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to run through this defense that has been not very good ever since J.J. Watt went down. And Cardinals Cardinals are not playing very good football right now. And if they get beat three weeks in a row, you 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 got to start having a conversation in Arizona. For sure. I will also go the Colts here. Uh, big fan of Colts, have been. Um yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to run all over him, especially considering that they let an undrafted rookie out of Cootstown. Cootstown. So Cootstown 
is a university where one of my friends, one of my roommates' friends, who I've met multiple times, is named Brock Azuf. He's actually a fan of the pod. Uh, he plays lacrosse at Cootstown. So that'll go, like, I mean, Cootstown is not the epitome of athletic success. I'm not saying that. You're killing, anyway. our, you're killing our listener base here, man. No, I'm not trying to say it. I'm just saying, like, dudes that I know go to Cootstown. So that'll tell you something. Like, so basically any player from Kentucky is a piece of shit because it's not Kentucky, it's Philly, it's Philadelphia. (laughs) Anyway, uh, they let some dude named, I think his last name was Reynolds and they let him run all over them in the Lions game. Craig Craig Reynolds, was that it? Yeah, Craig Reynolds. Yeah. And then they had a Jason Cabinda score a touchdown and I looked up his name and he is a running back slash linebacker scored a touchdown. Yeah, so imagine what time is the Taylor's going to do to this team. Uh, coming off a horrid loss against the Lions. So, yeah, give me the Colts as well. Uh, next game we got on the slate is the battle for the division here, and it is the Ravens sitting at 8-6 and six at the Cincinnati Bengals, who are also 8-6. and six. The winner of this game will take possession of the division. Uh, this game is 1 o'clock in 1 o'clock window on Sunday. Um, the spread for this game, Cincinnati minus two and a half. Uh, the money lines, Baltimore 115, Cincinnati mi- minus 135. And what's your pick for this game? Um, I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati at home, considering the way that they beat them last time, and they were much healthier. The Ravens were much healthier than they are now. Yeah, very true. Um, you know, I'm going to be a little sneaky here. I think Lamar will have to play in this game. I don't think there's a choice. Like, I mean, there's a potential that Huntley plays, but I don't see Lamar sitting out of a win it or go home game. So he's going to do everything in his power to play in this game. I think you can get a little sneaky here. You know, I think the line, once they figure out if Lamar's playing or not, I think the money line will be smaller or the spread will be smaller and the money lines will be different. So I think there's an opportunity here to make a sneaky bet on the Ravens. So well, yeah, that's the thing. If 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 Lamar is playing, that bet gets down to like Cincinnati minus one, and then you're picking it outright. So you're, I'd take this. I don't know, two and a half is pretty small. If you can get it up to three, maybe mm-hmm. take the Ravens. But yeah, it's hard to beat a team twice in a year. That's 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 another especially thing. with the North as crazy as it is. Yeah, we'll come out that's and beat the shit out of them just because. Yeah, you know, why not? Yeah. Exactly. They're looking for that payback after since he beat the shit out of him last time. God, I so, think so. Yeah. All right. Last game on the slate that we got uh, is another battle for the division. It's literally the battle for the division because whoever wins this game will be the outright winner and it will clinch a playoff spot as the leader in the division. It is the Bills at the Patriots. The Bills are sitting at eight and six. Patriots are sitting at nine and five in the one o'clock window on Sunday. Uh, the spread for this game, New England minus two and a half. Uh, the money lines, Buffalo plus 115, New England minus 135. What you got? If it isn't 40 mile an hour winds and or snowing or and or raining, give me the Buffalo Bills. I think that they really, really need this win. And they're pissed. They are rightfully pissed because Matt Jones threw the ball what was it, twice, twice on Monday Night mm-hmm. Football? Mm-hmm. And they lost. With a generational quarterback at the helm, they lost. So you're pissed. It's a divisional opponent. 
You were so close to beating the Bucks two weeks ago. You really need this win. The Bills got to have it, so give me the Bills. Um, I will take the Patriots, my man. Uh, the Cole Beasley has been officially ruled out for Sunday uh, due to him being unvaccinated and being placed on the COVID list today. Uh, because he's unvaccinated, he has no chance to play on Sunday. Gabriel and Davis has been very good, though. So that is very true. Manny Sanders slips right up into that Cole Beasley role. Gabriel Davis had like 26 fantasy points on Sunday. I get it, but Cole Beasley is that safe target. And when you need a catch, he's been throwing to Cole Beasley. And, I mean, like obviously for the big player, you're going Stephon or Emmanuel or Gabriel Davis. And Gabriel Davis has had a nice run of games. But if you're looking for that safe catch, Cole Beasley is the one. And he's not playing this game. And they dominated them last time. So, yeah. Give me the Patriots in this one. So, all right. That does it for the headliner games that we got for this week. And finally, we will give our fantasy starts of the week. We are in the midst of playoffs. I've been officially ruled out of playoffs in every one of my leagues. Uh, Very upset about that. This is the earliest I've been ruled out of playoffs ever in my fantasy football career. So, I don't know what to do with myself right now. Kind of sucks. So, anyway. Let's get into our starts of the week. Who might win you your matchup this week? And it's especially important because of how wild this first round of playoffs was. So who you got as your start of the week? Yeah, I did see something funny. And it was like, uh, next year, at least we will know to bench all of the players that got you to the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, Um, for sure. But my start of the week is going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think that he has a breakout day. Actually, yeah, no, we're going with Clyde. I was going to say Daryl Williams because, you know, maybe they just – honestly, Derek Gore wouldn't even be that bad of a start, for God's sakes. But our run defense is terrible. And I was – had the had the foresight to start Dante Freeman, Foreman. Oh, my God, that's so so confusing because there's Devontae Freeman and Dante Foreman, and they're both on my team. And then they've got – They both have dreads. Yeah, they both have dreads. And then they have Dontrell also in Tennessee – also has um, reds. <laughs> yeah. So I started Dante Foreman. He got me 15. It was great. Um, and I think Clyde's a better back than Dante Foreman. Hot take. Um, so, yeah, I think he kind of runs all over the Steelers secondary, especially if they don't have anybody to throw to, which as of right now, they don't. Good stuff. All right. That's a solid start of the week. Um, I am going to go. I'm not, like, trying to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, I'm going to go Jamar Chase because I really think that he like I'm I came at this question from the perspective of like who's going to win you your week eh, who's going to win you your playoff matchup this week single handedly because that's the kind of guy you're looking for and I'm going to go Jamar Chase uh, you got to beat up Ravens secondary um, the only reason they shut down Devontae Adams last week is because he was doubled on every single play. And you can't do that with Cincy. I already mentioned this. You got three really talented wide receivers that you got to cover. So I think the primary focus will be on T. Higgins as he is the possession wide receiver. Um, I, But I think there's definitely an argument to be made there because Jamar Chase uh, went ham on them last time. But who do they have in deep coverage to cover a guy like Jamar Chase, you know? Who do so, they have anywhere to cover anybody? My point, exactly. So I don't see them having an answer for Jamar Chase this time around any more than they did last time around. And they have no answer for the deep threat. Like I just said, they allowed MBS to have a nice game this past week. 
And Jamar Chase in his last game against Baltimore, eight catches, 201 yards, and a touchdown. 39 fantasy points, and that was his season high. So, yeah, give me Jamar Chase as your league winner fantasy start of the week. All right. Well, that just about does it for this Tuesday edition of the Blitz podcast. Well, I guess technically it's Wednesday because uh, it is 1.30 in the morning. a.m. Oh, yeah. Podcast recording. Oh, yeah. At least we didn't cut into the, uh, the two o'clock. That's that always sucks. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we will not. I mentioned it already. We will not be doing a podcast on Thursday because, you know, we would like to enjoy our holidays as well. But we will be back next week with our live show, which will be super exciting. Uh, hopefully, Jaden's able to join us for that. Hopefully, he gets out of his COVID state. Hopefully. I'm hoping, man. I'm praying for you, brother. Because yeah, that, that live show is going to be a fun deal, man. We're moving over to Twitch and the whole deal. So, with that, we will catch you next week. Have a nice Christmas. Enjoy your holidays. Uh, enjoy the football on Thanksgiving, or Thanksgiving. Enjoy the football on Christmas. Enjoy the sports on Christmas. And we will catch you guys next week. All right. Peace.